I'm going to be reading Revelations 21, uh, verses 1 to 4. Uh, it can be found on page 1302 on the foyer Bibles. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things had passed away. I'm reading the next reading, and it's just from the end of the same chapter. So just on the next page, 1,303. So Revelation 21, verse 22 to 22, verse 5. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring splendor to, into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. There will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. In this big old city, isn't it a pity we don't say to heaven, what do you think you'll say? I think he would say g'day, with crossing glasses. You'll say g'day, you'll say g'day, with Adam Macy. I went to Moss and Daisy, and I like to make a gift of it to you. If you say you love me, I'll take your stars above me, and I'll say g'day, g'day to you. I wonder if you're like me. Uh, you know that Jesus has served you, that he died for you, 
made you his friend, part of his bride, uh, one of the sons of his heavenly father. You know that Jesus is still serving you. But if you're like me, you still struggle to actually want to serve sometimes. Sometimes you'd rather just be selfish. You still struggle with having the right motivations for serving. Sometimes you just want to serve people or serve the wrong God. And sometimes you just struggle to know how to serve, what to do to help someone. Sometimes I just struggle with being selfish and impatient. And serving is a struggle. You know what Jesus has done for you in the past. You know what he's doing for you now. But serving is still a struggle. And still frustrating. Over these last eight or nine weeks, we've seen some wonderful things about Jesus, and I hope you've been refreshed and encouraged. But if you're like me, you still need something more. You need hope. And so tonight, I want to share with you our great hope about serving. Have it there on your outline. The verses, the key verses are printed for you. There is some great stuff in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. The first thing I want to share with you is that we will have been prepared for our husband. Chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. We saw that Jesus has served us by dying for us and made us his bride. And that's the hope here, isn't it? That we are his bride and one day we collectively will be the bride on our wedding day with Jesus as our husband. But will we be ready? I've never been a bride, but the closest I ever came was on my wedding day, and there wasn't much to do to be ready. I got up. Tick. I had a shower. Tick. I washed the car. Tick. I realised that I was supposed to have ribbon to put on the front of the car. Tick. I bought the ribbon. Got dressed and now I was ready to see my bride beautifully dressed for her husband. You wouldn't be surprised to know that there was a little more for her to be ready. And every bride thinks to themselves, I think, am I actually going to be ready on the day? There is so much to arrange for all the arrangements and so much to arrange for me to be beautifully dressed for my husband. That's how we feel, I think about being ready for our husband. Will I ever actually be able to serve with right motivations and be ready to serve without frustration in joy for my husband Jesus? Well, here's the hope. Do you see it in verse 2? The new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Do you see here it is? It has happened. And who makes sure it has happened? Not the bride. That's what I want you to see. 
the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. She comes down out of heaven, not from her own home where the makeup artist has been working with her. Do you see? God has been doing it. And it's a passive, those people who learnt grammar at school, you know what I'm talking about. If you're like me and you don't, someone else did it. Prepared by someone else. Having been prepared, a perfect passive, by someone else, now completed for all eternity. This bride on this day has been prepared by her husband. And that is good news. Whether you are married or single or divorced or separated or widowed, you are all part of Jesus' bride and looking forward to your real wedding. You know you need to be ready. You long to be ready. You strive to change yourself to be ready. And here's the confidence that Jesus will make sure you are ready. What a glorious moment that will be. On my daughter's wedding day, there was lots to be get, for her to get ready, for the bride to be ready, but finally she was ready. Everyone else had left the house. She and I were just on the veranda. There was nothing else to be done. I said, Annie, how about we pray? I prayed and thanked God for this moment, for getting her ready, that we were now ready. Her makeup got smudged because a tear came down her cheek. It was a precious moment because everything was ready. And that's what it will be like on the last day when Jesus returns. This is a great hope for me in my struggle to serve. This is a great hope for you in your struggle to serve. And if you are trying to help someone else, if you're a youth leader or a growth group leader, or you are a husband whose God-given responsibility is to prepare your wife to be ready for Jesus, this is a precious hope. For one day, we will see. We will see those we are leading to Jesus perfectly prepared for our husband. Do you see the joy? The joy that the bride will be ready for her husband and Jesus will make it happen. Well, the wedding day, after all, is not an end in itself. The wedding day is for the marriage. And here, that's what happens in this passage. You see there in verse 2, as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. But skip down to verse 9, and the bride is also a wife. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Not only do we look forward to being the bride on that day, more importantly, we look forward to being the wife. And the husband and wife dwell together. Come back to verse 2. The primary image in this passage is not the bride, is it? You can tell by the heading. It's not about a bride. In mixing metaphors, it's about a city. Why a city? Because it's the city, Jerusalem, and in a city you dwell together. God and his people dwell together. Verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, 
and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the great hope all the way through the Old Testament. This is why God leads them out of Egypt and into the promised land. This is why he gives them the tabernacle. This is why he gives them the temple that he might dwell with his people. It got destroyed, but Jesus comes as the temple. He returns to heaven. But we will go to be with him. He will dwell with us. Not by a building this time. Have a look at verse 22. We read it in our Bible reading. I did not see a temple in the city. Why? You'd need a temple in the new Jerusalem, surely. Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Not a building, not a symbol, not an indirect dwelling with his people, but a direct dwelling with his people where they even see his face. Here is the happily ever after, after the wedding. Does it really happen? As soon as I use the phrase happily ever after, you know it's not true, don't you? Because there are no fairy tale marriages. Some are awful and some are good and bad. There are always difficulties and struggles in a human marriage. This is not just a human marriage. Look what it says in verse 4. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Put positively in chapter 22, there's the river of the water of life. There is the tree of life which heals the nations. So there will be no more distress, no more death. No more destruction. I was reading the Hawley's newsletter this week. Their their hearts are breaking still for the people in Yemen where they used to live some eight years ago. As the civil war continues and there's starvation and and fighting and, and another outbreak of cholera. But they quoted these verses. The healing of the nations. How would you finish the phrase... There will be no more, what? What is it for you that is precious about this promise? Is it no more death? Is it no more mourning which comes from death? Or is it something else entirely? There will be no more. Why? It's not just that this city, the city council, has come up with the no-tears formula for now on. They've now fixed things and decreed things so that now in the New Jerusalem everything is better. Why is it better in the New Jerusalem? Because verse 3, now God dwells with his people. That's the key ingredient. And this week I noticed the precious thing here is that he dwells with his people, verse 3, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Can you picture that? It's not just that there are no more tears, do you see? But that he, the loving and sensitive and compassionate husband, will wipe tears from our eyes. 
Isn't that precious? Precious for you, precious for those you love when you see their tears in their eyes. There will come a day where with great joy you will see those tears wiped away. Not abstractly, not extracted from their eyes, but by Jesus. For the loving husband will love his wife. How precious is that? What joy is that? We look forward to the joy of having been prepared for her husband, of finally being ready. We look forward to the joy of dwelling with him. But what will it be like to dwell with him? There'll be no more of these things. Our tears will be wiped away. But what will we be doing? That's what you want to know, don't you? Will we really be sitting on a cloud playing a harp for all eternity? It sounds awful, doesn't it? Perhaps we'll be endlessly singing, as people tell us. That sounds awful too, after the first 1,500 years. No, no, we'd like to think rather that heaven will be whatever you desire most. Whatever you love doing most, that's what you'll be doing for all eternity. Are you a surfer? You'll be riding the perfect wave again and again and again. Are you from Currajong? It'll be day after day of soaking rain, never stopping. Your tank will overfloweth, as will your heart. For heaven, we think, is a resort with personalised pleasure activities where you get to enjoy what you love, I get to enjoy what I love, and we don't bother each other. Well, could that really be heaven, do you think? Our selfishness perpetuated for all eternity. Surely not. We will have been prepared for our husband, Jesus. We will dwell with him and he will have wiped every tear for our eye, from our eyes. And do you think possibly for a moment that what you most like doing as a hobby will be the thing that you'll get to do? Does that make any sense to you? No. Jesus is at the centre of it all. And we will finally realise that for we will have been prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for our husband Jesus. He will be the centre of our lives and we will be serving him. Which is exactly what it says in chapter 22, verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. This whole book of Revelation, this revealing that God gave to Jesus was for his servants. Literally, chapter 1, verse 1, for his slaves. The slaves of Jesus need something revealed, something which must soon take place, says verse 1. That Jesus has won the victory and it will be revealed to everyone. And so these whole 22 chapters are revealing Jesus to us, his victory over evil, and that he will then dwell with his people forever. Surely you would think, perhaps, that we would no longer be slaves then. Evil is dealt with. We can be free. No. The slaves of Jesus 
will be slaves of Jesus forever and they will serve him. Why is that so good? We saw last week that to have one master, to be no longer struggling, fighting off the other masters, trying to keep our minds on Jesus, and have one master to serve is wonderful. To have one good master who has died for us, served us throughout our Christian lives, and dried away every tear for his bride. What more could we want to do for all eternity? As I was preparing the sermon and thinking about what we'll do in heaven when we get there, this advertisement came to mind for my childhood. When you get to heaven, what do you think you'll say? G'day. What do you think? We rock up to Jesus, assume he's Australian or loves Australians, and say, G'day. No, for he will be our master, our master and our husband. And we will not say, G'day to Jesus. He will command us what he wants us to do, and we will say, Okay. Or rather, I would love to, Jesus. For Jesus is our good master, who is our husband. How does this help us? As a, how does this help me? How does it help you as we struggle to serve? We know that Jesus has served us, that he's serving us, and we look forward to the day when we will have been prepared to be his bride, where we will dwell with him forever, and where we will serve him forever. So at those times when I struggle to actually want to serve, when I hold back from serving or wish I could be in that resort where I just get to do my hobby all the time, how does it help me? Well, I know that the future is serving. This is what I'm going to be doing for all eternity. This is what I'm looking forward to. And the more I set my heart on looking forward to doing that, the more I'll want to serve. And if we actually think, I don't like serving, then why are you looking forward to heaven? Find some other hope to look forward to, because this is not it. Put it another way, you need to change your heart. When I struggle with actually serving, I want to do it, but I don't know how to do it, and I'm frustrated and I'm disappointed that I've hurt the people I love yet again more and more, even as I try. How does this help me? One day I will have been prepared. The job will be done. Jesus guarantees it. And I will dwell with him, serving him and serving others. And it will be a joy all the time. That is a wonderful hope. When we stand in glory, we will see his face and there we'll serve our husband forever in that holy place. What a joy. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in our struggle to want to serve and in our struggle to serve well, 
We can not only look back to what Jesus has done, we can not only have hope from how he is serving us now, but look forward that we will one day be prepared, ready for our husband. We will dwell with him and it will be good. And we will have the joy of serving him forever. Help us, Father, to look forward in this hope. We pray it in Jesus' name.